Get him stopped. Get him stopped. God and Moses both in a sidecar did not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he done a double somersault backwards. My car will go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came in a Twinkie box. You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know, he's going to crash your shit, but he's still, he's still got great stories. Oh, they disappeared. Oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Inflated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat. It's all goddamn assholes and elbows, and if you ain't right, they'll send your ass to the rear. Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Open Red, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws, NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series, and the Extreme Outlaw Midget Series presented by Toyota. My name is Ross Weiss. Thank you for joining us this week. Shifting back to the midget side of the racing world this week after about a month plus of sprint car interviews here on the show. Steve Carboni joins us on the show this week. Steve, one of the car owners of the 7U Trifecta Motorsports car that started this year, piloted by Kyle Jones. They made a switch middle of the season. Zach Dom was in the car the last time the Extreme Outlaw Midgets were out. Of course, Zach swept the weekend at the Wayne County Speedway in Illinois with the Extreme Outlaw Midgets, the first National Midget Series wins for the 7U Trifecta Motorsports team. So Steve, an awesome guy, has an incredibly rich background racing history in his family his his dad uh in the straight line side of things the nhra his dad beat don gartlitz in a very legendary drag race back in 1971 you're going to hear steve talk about that the trifecta motorsports team it or its origins what that weekend at uh, wayne county meant and, and of course uh his very interesting day job you hear about working around peterbilt trucks so uh all that and more here we're going to press play on this week's interview with steve carboni on open red So, Steve, obviously, first place I want to start t- today is, you know, most recent events. You guys sweep the weekend at, at, at Wayne City with, with Zach here a, a couple weeks ago. Kind of take take me inside. What did that accomplishment mean to you guys on that 7U car? You know, you guys have been trying for that first national win for so long. But to go out and not just get one, but to sweep the weekend at, at one racetrack, what what did that deal mean to you guys? It uh, it, it was huge. It, I mean, it was huge. You huge for me and 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 for my partner Staten on the car um something we've been striving for for obviously five almost six years um we had some some power eye west winds uh but the national win we we were really really looking for um everything just kind of lined up uh the first night you know um i i felt for the kkm guys both nights because at one point, they had the fastest car and driver on the track both nights, but but the, it just didn't end up that way. That, the first night, I felt like we really won. The second night was a little bit of a gimme, but that, that happens in racing. The takeaways are way more than the gives, but, man, it was just validation. It felt really good, and and we were excited. It's uh, um, It was the shot in the arm that we really needed. It was getting a little bit stale to be honest and uh um and we are as energized as we've ever been tell me about working with zach dom obviously you know he's been around midget racing for quite quite a while at at this point but uh how has he been to work with kind of in i know he's been in your car in in the past some but for that weekend and and kind of what the future looks like for him in the car it uh yeah no it's funny um we have a lot of mutual friends as everybody in racing does 
and um, I had him come jump in our backup car at Port City earlier in the year, and uh, he put it on the podium there. And we've just always kind of been been in contact and back and forth. And this opportunity came up, so we put him in. And uh, I'm pretty proud of him, man. There's there's nobody that's working harder at it. Uh, if you watch him, he is either has a wrench in his hand, he's watching the track, he's working on um, the car that he's committed to running for the year. Um, he's never standing around. He's, and, and during the week, he, he's always talking about racing. You know, uh, once that weekend was behind us, it was days later. He shoots me a text and says, Hey man, I've watched that race five or six times. And I think we can get better here. If we do this, um, there, there are a lot of drivers, very few racers. And Zach is absolutely a racer. What did he change in that first weekend? Did he change much car wise or was it pretty, pretty much? No, it was, it honestly, it was, um, what, what we call our window, our starting spot. Very, very close. Um, very minute. I mean, minute changes. Um, um, he likes, uh, a little less stagger than what we typically have, felt like we were successful with but um I, and that first night if anybody's been watching zach forever you know he's a bottom feeder he's a catfisher um and that deal was kind of on the top <laughs> and uh uh, uh so we, we might be seeing a, a new era out of zach Dom, <laughs> you know running the top because that is just not his thing historically so I let's kind of run the clock back a little bit, kind of fill in your your backstory for people that uh, don't necessarily know. But your your family has an incredibly rich history across several different types of motorsports, not just uh, dirt track racing. But I want to first off tell me about your dad. Obviously, an incredible history racer that 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 he was, and you know, and some of the the straight line stuff, then building motors on his own. But kind of tell me something about your dad. Well, he, um, um, he was the perfect age at the perfect place at the perfect time, Southern California in the sixties, um, grew up drag racing and, uh, um, had a very successful career, um, in the early days, went on to be 1971 NHRA top fuel world champion, um, uh, had some very, very, very famous races, um, especially against Big Daddy Don Garlitz. Spent some time in Australia. Um, um, did that for until oh, till the mid seventies. Moved to Tulsa mainly because one of the guys he had driven for. Um, he had spent some time in Tulsa and liked it here. And and you know back then before any of the technology we have today, it was 24 hours from anywhere. So he was, you know, if they were going to English town, um, or Pomona or wherever they were going racing, they were, they were never more than a day away. So that, that would, that was pretty important to what they were doing then. And when he retired from racing, he started a machine shop, started building racing engines and, uh, built motors for everything from drag cars to drag boats to sprint cars. Um, um, he was a, a big piece of what the ASCS is today. 
him and Emmett and Brodix and comp cams and a big pile of people. They were all um, integral in, in, in putting that together in the early stages and uh, just kind of the racing deal. Uh, he was racing the day I was born. Uh, went and qualified, came to the hospital, said hi to mom and me, and off he went back. And <laughs> we've just kind of been around it our whole lives. There, there's just no getting away from it. What? How did that transition to you in the open wheel world coming from such a rich drag racing background? Um, growing up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, we, at, at a, at a very early age, I wanted to race motorcycles and we went to the motorcycle track the first day. And my mother, who to this day is extremely supportive of everything, um, on the way home, uh, she said, that's not happening. Um, and, 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 and my mom and my dad says, what? And she goes, I don't care what we do, but roll cages and seat belts is a must. So, um, that got us pointed towards quarter midgets. Uh, my dad and Darren Pittman's dad, Dale, they were friends or had mutual friends. So the first, first race car I ever sat in was Darren's older brother, Derek, uh, who was a heck of a race car driver, um, went and drove his car, his quarter midget. And, uh, we went out and, um, I don't know that it was much of a contest, but won the, won the first time out and wasn't too long after that, my brother and I had quarter midgets and went on from there to, uh, to micro sprints and went from there to four tens. Uh, my ultimate dream personally was always something in the indie catalog. So we ended up road racing with USAC in a Formula 2000 and a, and a couple other disciplines and did that for quite a while and ended back up on the dirt. And here we are. I always knew I'd be a car owner somewhere along the way, but uh, just took a long time to get there. How does that transition now, you know, from being behind the wheel of various forms of cars to now owning the car, being out of control, out of the seat, watching that, how's that been? And, and kind of describe that process and, and the emotions and the highs that come with that. Oh, I, I, I think it's extremely fortunate because, um, um, I've been there, um, especially those of us around, the extreme outlaw series. We, everybody, everybody knows Janky, Bobby Millizer, um, excellent wrench, my right hand man on our operation. Um, but he's never sat in the seat. And I think that's a good thing because he doesn't, he doesn't have any experience. He only has the eyes that he has where, uh, with Zach or with Kyle or anybody else that we've had in the car, I can talk to him because I've been there. And, um, that that seemed to translate pretty good, um, um, and and it seem and currently seems to work with Zach really well. So let's talk a little bit about. I I, I want to dive into kind of the the origins of your current midget team. Obviously, you you mentioned your your partner uh, Stanton Earl earlier Staten. but state yeah sorry state i added a t there kind of what that's all right everybody does what what went into the the origins of what we now know is the the seven u and trifecta motorsports um well i uh, from a young age from a very young age 
um, I always knew or aspired to be a car owner somewhere down the road. Um, and, and just as life goes on, we're, we're cruising along and a, and a friend of mine that I had driven for, uh, I had been talking to him about starting a midget team and he said, Hey, I'm, I know a good friend of mine from the horse racing world. He would like to maybe be a part of this long story short, the three of us get together and, uh, um, we go to Belleville, go, go to a handful of races and just, just to kind of be around each other and make sure everything's going to work. And, and we decide to make the move and, uh, uh, we bought, um, Niemeyer stuff when they when they got out of midgets which was a one or two year old spike with a one or two year old Esslinger and moved on over the next couple years I don't maybe two years into it um, the three partners turned into two and it's just been the two of us ever since Tell, tell me a little bit more about State, and then obviously he's kind of, I don't know if you'd call him the silent partner. I know he doesn't come out to the races too much, but uh, kind of tell me about him, what his involvement looks like in the the, the team itself. Um, he's been a partner from day one. Um, uh, he, he He's very interesting. He's really big in the horse racing world. Um um, he's out of Hot Springs, Arkansas. If you've ever been to the Hot Springs horse racing track, you have parked in one of his parking lots. <laughs> um, uh, it, uh, he is an absolute encyclopedia of racing knowledge. Um, it, 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 it's very interesting that, that he's that how much he knows and has not been an owner. Um, just just a couple days ago. Uh, if you, I mean, you guys saw at Chili Bowl, we had Cruz Pedro on and all that stuff going on in our pits. And he sent me a picture of him when he was probably 17 um, at the Chili Bowl with a picture of Cruz Pedro on. You know? <laughs> so uh, he's, he's like the biggest fan of racing I've ever met. And it was one of those neat situations where um, he didn't just want to write somebody a check and have his name on the car. He wanted to be part of a program and he's been absolutely integral in everything we've been doing from day one. So it, it, it's fun. It's fun to have him around. Are there any unique perspectives he brings from the horse racing world that really kind of help change or mold your outlook on, on the midget program? Oh, oh my gosh, dude, he's a master. He, he, in, See, and I know not even all these years we've spent together as friends and co-owners on the car. We've, I still don't know much about horse racing and just because it doesn't interest me that much. <laughs> but what I have figured out that he is excellent at placing jockeys and trainers and horses together. It's a very, very unique mix. Um, just, just like day one, you know, okay, we have a race car in the garage. Now what are we going to do? And he calls and he's like, hey, man, there's this kid named Joby Miller. A friend of mine tells me he's the next time up and comer. So we call Joby and 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 uh, we're like, hey, man, we're, we're going to be racing a die 30. You're going to be running your micro there. Do you want to drive a midget? He's like, yeah, sure. Why not? And I mean, we took it up there on a on a on a lawnmower, 10 foot lawnmower trailer couple of spares just having a good time not expecting anything um 
and you know ran fourth just out of the gate so uh um he he has an absolute eye for talent and uh, um that that's that's been huge so recently as you have kind of adjusted your driver lineup on the extreme side how involved or is that the kind of moment i wouldn't say he thrives for but where does he get super involved with you know like zach and picking him and, and kind of making those decisions is that does that fall into his wheelhouse um that that that's definitely in his wheelhouse um uh he and i spend a lot of time on the fault on the phone week after week uh he has the when 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 i say he's in the horse world um he's kind of like a keith coons he he's got this incredible lineup and it and it pulls him every direction all over the country all the time so uh um, he doesn't get to attend as many races as he would like um but but just his just his view his uh outlook um we lean on that a lot for for the direction that we take the team you mentioned our Earlier, your crew chief, the the other big key in this operation, good old good old janky Bobby's. You said he's been your, your right hand man, but tell me about working with Bobby and what kind of role he plays in the in the team. Oh, he, uh, I mean, currently he's the absolute backbone. Um, Staten Staten's over there taking care of all of his stuff. He has he has a hard time getting two races. Um, you know, we camp for us is a mile uh, less than a mile from the Chili Bowl. Uh, and uh, uh, Bobby takes care of everything. Um, my work is, uh, I, I, I'm rare in the midget world. Like, I've got like a real job and, and a boss. Um, it, it's just, our, our, our deal is so different than everybody else's. You know, it's not my kid in the seat. It's, uh, there, there's so many different aspects to the 7U versus most every other team we just operate way different but but bobby has absolutely been a game changer for us um his attention to detail is like no other uh we 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 are two weirdos in a pile we like everything clean and neat and tidy um and he's over the top with that stuff it um uh, uh, and just, just I, it, it's funny. Years ago, year a hundred years ago, I drove for his dad after uh, Brady Bacon's dad stepped out of that car, and uh, and I climbed in it. So uh, we, we, our families have history. So there's a, a couple things you just said. I kind of want to follow up on. First off, as you kind of mentioned, your your shop not being too far down down the road from the expo there in Tulsa, but. Uh, as as I put together, your shop also kind of holds some uh, pretty historical significance in the world of sprint car racing, too, right? Oh, it, yeah. It's and 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 I'm not lost in that. Like every time I open the door, I mean, when I put the key in, it says a fixco on the front door. It's faded, but you can see it. We've ran <clears throat> over my my entire life. I mean, I watched them build that building when I was 11 years old. And, uh, um, my dad bought, uh, Ron Schumann's first world of outlaw sprint car operation from Gary Stanton and brought it to that shop and got everything ready to send him on the road. Um, 
everybody who's familiar with Port City, um, that's where Pete Frazier raced out of. That's where Tony Armstrong raced out of. Um, and and just growing up with, they had the machine shop next door building engines, and then they had the Ofisco shop racing boats and cars and go-karts and quarter midgets and everything under the sun out of that building. Um, guys like Sammy Swindell, they, you know, my dad would come home and go, oh, hey, this guy's spending the night at our house. And I'm, you know, uh, just so many drivers came through there, even all the way, uh, um, Jan Offerman, um, Ron Schumann, like I said, Sammy Swindell and all them other guys, there were just so many people that came through there. Uh, but as a kid, that's just all I knew. That's just how it was. And the whole time I'm reading open wheel magazine and speed sport news and I'm like, hey, this, you know, this is pretty cool. But it was the life I knew. I, I, I kind of didn't know anything else. So you kind of you, you talk about you get that rich history. You grew up with guys, you know, waking up with guys like Sammy Swindell at the at the breakfast table, um, right? Just right. popping in, and then you've taken this midget program that is honestly quite different from anything in today's world. Um, in terms of, you know, hired drivers and, and, and a true like old school car owner program. And you talk about coming from a 10 foot trailer to, we started this podcast off you saying that you felt bad for the biggest team in midget racing the weekend that you swept the national, you, you swept the national series that weekend. What does that feel like as a single, as, as a single car, car owner, um, kind of elaborate on kind of what, you know, as you reflect on everything, what that means to you? Um, it's huge. Uh, even though we just got our first national win, we've probably been slightly more successful than we deserve. Uh, um, Grant and Kaz and all, all them guys that work on that KKM deal, um, I know they get a lot of heat because of who they are, but they're out there busting butts just like we are i mean i mean it's no different um i'm happy to see those guys win as much as i am for us it uh and and i hate to see it and 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 it's just part of it you know they've got so many kids in the program they're gonna make kid mistakes i made the exact same mistakes when when i was driving and coming up and and i and i know how heartbroken my mom and dad were or and, and I know how, how tough it is for them. So it, it all makes sense for me. I, I'm a, the only reason I do this is, is I'm a race fan. Uh, I know I give you guys a lot of heat whenever we go somewhere that's not too racy. Um, because I want to see a race, whether it's my cars or somebody else's cars or whatever. I want to see a race race. And I don't think there's anything on earth that puts on a better program than a midget if it's in the right stadium. So, because I've had guys approach me about sprint cars and other stuff, I like I have no desire. Midgets are the only thing I want to fool with, and um, um, we're having a lot of fun. We probably got the best momentum going we've ever had right now, and uh, I, ho- I hope we can keep it going because there's a lot of these, a lot of these places on the schedule, um, especially in Pennsylvania. Some some of these smaller tighter racy tracks i'm super excited about so 
you talk about this and your your reference for for KKM as you look out if if would do you have aspirations to have a program of that magnitude and number of of cars and people or is your goal to be able to enjoy one or two competitive cars at a time um my life the way it is at the moment um we're in talks with maybe possibly a second car um the again i I have a job and a boss so that 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 changes most programs especially on on somebody chasing and a complete extreme outlaw schedule. So, um, I can't see that today. Uh, if I was ever going to have a, a, a KKM role, I would love to have that with two or three of my own grandkids and maybe three or four other kids in a quarter midget program. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've watched Keith over the years and watching him gravitate towards that micro program that they built and and seeing how much he enjoyed that and and seeing how much the the, the midget program in my perspective looked like that kind of turned into a job for him i i i don't, I don't want to ever put myself in the position to where it's not the excitement and as enjoyable as as it is now if that makes sense it uh um that deal that deal is unbelievable you know again a lot of people give that program a lot of shade as the kids say but uh, i'm i'm in awe over what they've built over there so i know one more thing we want to ask you about uh before we let you go today, you mentioned a couple times how you kind of view yourself as an anomaly because you have a, a day job. But I don't know if day job is the right word if you want to call it an, an alter ego even. But, you know, people can see Peterbilt Steve printed across the side of the, the 7U. But kind of tell me about that that day job and what it is that you do outside of the racetrack on a daily basis. Um, I'm one of the few people that you meet that, that I, I love what I do for a living. Uh, I, I, I work for Rusty Rush, uh, Rush Enterprises. If, if you follow Tony Stewart or Chase Briscoe or any of those guys, you see the Rush logo on everything. I work for them. Uh, we are here in Tulsa, uh, Peterbilt truck dealer, and I'm kind of the uh, staple hot rod truck guy. We build some really, really cool and super sexy Peterbilts and um, – uh, just kind of the whole Peterbilt Steve thing. I had, uh, I started a little YouTube page a handful of years ago and it accidentally gained, gained traction <laughs> and, and thank God it did because that's why we get to go midget racing. And here we are. You know, I have to laugh cause, um, you know, after I worked with Cruz Pedregon a little bit and, then he getting hooked up with you is funny. He knew you first from your Peterbilt Steve persona, secondary, put it together, 
your drag racing background. Oh yeah, no, it's so great. We love that story because I know who his dad is. He knew who my dad was, and and we meet through Peterbilt's. And then the next thing I know, I've got Caleb Henry and Jacob Allen in my pit area. So, uh, uh, no, that's that's just super cool. And and Cruz and I have become just really good friends. Like, you won't find a guy that's more of a racer than that. Like, that guy's unbelievable. Um, I, I getting to know him over the last couple of years, I know why he's so successful. Um, he just doesn't sleep. So, since you brought his name up, I'd be remiss if i didn't ask about him because i i got the opportunity a couple years ago to to work around rusty rush on a a a couple of occasions but a very uh unique uh individual i think is the best way you can describe spending time around rusty but uh tell me about what it is uh you know working for him and what what makes him a such an interesting boss well you know i you know i i i throw his name around like we're buddies but but we're not. I mean, it's it's a multi-billion-dollar company that's publicly traded. We've got over a hundred locations nationwide. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting Rusty, this, that, and the other. Uh, but but as you probably well know, him and Tony Stewart are absolutely brothers. Um, they're the best of friends. Um, but. What I tell everybody is for years, I worked for a mom and pop organization um, because I didn't want to work for corporate America and and working over there for Rusty. Uh, it's more family oriented at my office than than the family owned business ever was. So it's uh, like I said, you, you'll see Chase and Tony and everybody. uh, uh, uh the Harvicks, you, you'll see them at Millbridge and some of the other tracks that we go to. And, and Rusty has a little piece and all that. And it's really, really cool. Um, I tease everybody because they go, how come you don't have rush on your race car? And I'm like, well, Tony gets it all. So, uh, uh, that's just how that works. And I was a big Tony Stewart fan before I worked for Rusty. So I'm not, I'm not that mad, but that's okay. All right, Steve, on that note, we thank you for taking the time uh, out of the middle of a workday to sit here on the phone with Brian and I and talk to us. But uh, we look forward to seeing you when we get back on the road here in a couple weeks with the Extreme Outlaws at Doe Run and SIR. Uh, But uh, thank you again for the time, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. marking the final two minutes of the open red flag conditions well that's going to do it for us this week here on open red thanks to every one of you for listening a few housekeeping notes before we wrap it up this week please do not forget to rate review and follow open red on whatever platform you were listening to it on so drop a few stars leave a comment hit that follow button that really helps push the show into the feeds of people who aren't subscribed to the show and listening every week yet don't forget to follow the World of Outlaws and the Extreme Outlaw Midgets on social media across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. There's accounts there to follow one or both series everywhere. If you have suggestions for guests on the show, don't forget to tweet me at Ross and use that hashtag open red anytime you have a thought on the show or a note to get to me as well. Again, thanks everybody for listening. That's going to do it this week. We'll see you next time on Open Red. Hashtag open red.